it, it is such a cool thing to be able to, to worship together, isn't it? Um, I, I said, uh, first service, I had a, a little girl that's just ready to turn six that was right behind me, one row behind me, singing just at the top of her lungs. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. And I thought, oh man, that is just very, very cool. Uh, I want to jump in the message and, and tell you about uh, uh, somebody, uh, any, any uh, Chippewa graduates, MSU, Central Michigan, Central Michigan, not MSU. Oh, I got a few. Okay. Um, uh, any NFL fans? A few. Good, good, good. Um, there, there's this character that's been in the news for the last year, this guy named Antonio Brown. Anybody recognize that? Some of you are laughing now. Um, Antonio Brown was uh, uh, all-pro wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, for a whole bunch of years. And um, last year, towards the end of the season, he decided he didn't want to practice anymore. And so he said to the Steelers, I'm not going to practice. And so week 17, as the Steelers played the Bengals, um, the Steelers put him on the uh, um, unable to play list or whatever, and he got, he got benched because he said, I, I don't want to practice. At the end of the season, uh, Antonio Brown said to the Steelers, you know what, I don't want to play for you anymore. I don't like Roethlisberger. I don't like your management. I don't ha- like how you're using me. And so uh, I want you to trade me. And so the Steelers said, Okay, we can do that for you. And so they set up a uh, deal with the Buffalo Bills to trade Antonio Brown to the Buffalo Bills. And uh, Antonio Brown said, I want to play for the Buffalo Bills. I'm not going there. And so they said, well, okay. And that trade fell through. And they set up a trade with the Oakland Raiders. Antonio Brown went to the Oakland Raiders, and, um, and before preseason started, he went to have some work done on his feet to, um, to get his feet ready for the season. He went to a, a cryogenics thing and an ice treatment deal, and, um, and, and the, the people who ran the deal said, okay, here's what you've got to do to protect your feet when you have this, this cryogenic treatment. You've got to wear special stuff. You've got to do all this stuff. And Antonio Brown said, I don't want to do that. I, I know better than you how to take care of my feet. So he went for the treatment, and the result of that was that he got frost bite on his feet, couldn't stand up. He had big blisters on his feet. You can look it up online. It's crazy. Um, so about the time his feet got going and he was ready to go to practice in the preseason stuff with the Raiders, um, the NFL had, had uh, launched new guidelines for helmet safety, had a new kind of helmet, and Antonio Brown said, I don't want to wear that new helmet. I want to wear my old helmet. And the NFL said, tough. Um, and uh, he said, no, I'm not going to play with, it, with that new helmet. I'm gonna... Anyway, long story short, he ended up finding a helmet that, that they could use. Um, but in the midst of that, he got into a fight with the management for the Raiders. He got fined $54,000. And, um, uh, and everything kind of blew up. It just got, it got crazy. And the Raiders released him the day before his salary for this season would have been guaranteed. A salary of $15 million. $9 million signing bonus. All went away because he didn't like being told what to do. So um, he was released. The next day, he got picked up by the New England Patriots. Patriots signed him to a $30 million deal. And uh, 
and he went to work there. Uh, didn't really have too many problems. Said he was going to be a model citizen, and then it came out that uh, uh, a woman uh, brought up sexual assault charges against him. Antonio Brown responded in just the, uh, about the most vile way that you could in, t- in terms of some text stuff that, that happened. And he ultimately was released uh, again before he got r- really any significant payment of his $30 million deal. Antonio Brown has an issue with authority. You think? So do we. We have an issue with authority. And that's why today's message um, is, I think, just a really critical one for us as followers of Jesus. We live, in a, we live in, a, in a culture, in a world that says that we need to uh, be in control, that we need to stand up for our rights, that we need to uh, be in charge. We don't like anyone telling us what to do, right? And any of you out there control freaks? Come on. I know some of you better than that. Yeah, yeah I've got a husband and wife over there saying, yeah, they are. Um, we like to be in charge, right? I, I think that this message is one of the most difficult messages for us to really internalize because it is in our DNA as Americans um, to rebel to stand up, to be in control, to to control our environment and our circumstances. We want to define what's right or wrong. We want to define how we respond in any given situation. You know, what's crazy is that Scripture describes our culture with some very specific words. Even though it was written um, literally a couple thousand years ago, um, the Scripture that describes our culture is uh, written in the book of Judges. It says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes right? And you know, that didn't work out very well for the Israelites in the book of Judges. Um, We're in this series called Holy, Holy, and Holy, uh, where, where we have this charge to be entirely holy, to be markedly different from the rest of the world. Um, and, and the text for our messages is coming out of the letters that, that this guy named Peter wrote. Peter was a close friend of Jesus. He saw firsthand Jesus teach. He was with Jesus when he healed people, when he raised the dead. Um, Peter was with Jesus um, when the mob came. He was with Jesus as Jesus prayed. Um, uh, when Jesus was crucified and then buried, Jesus went firsthand. He went personally to check out the empty tomb. Jesus, uh, Peter was with Jesus when Jesus was resurrected and interacted with him. If you've got your Bibles, uh, take those out. You can take one of the Bibles out of the front of the pews in front of you. If you've got the North Point app, you can open that up to the sermon notes that are there. And I want us to look at this passage of Scripture from the end of chapter 2 that gives us some very specific instruction about being in control and how we respond to authority. Peter writes this, Submit yourselves... For the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. 
Live as free people. But don't, do, don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, the church. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves in reverent fear of God. Submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. How's it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he didn't retaliate. When Jesus suffered, he made no threats. Instead, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly, to God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By Jesus' wounds, you've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Submission for us, it's a huge deal. A couple of years ago, I, we did a sermon series called The S Word. I don't know if you remember or not, but it was a series of messages that was all about who Scripture calls us to submit to. It was a difficult message, a difficult series of messages to preach, but it was a difficult messages to listen to as well because it's so counterculture to how we live today. Um, it, but submission is one of the fundamentals. It's one of the core ideas for, for living out our faith. Um, let, let's just kind of work through that. Understand that submission is a, it's a trademark for a disciple of Jesus, for somebody who is following Jesus, who's being changed by Jesus, who's committed to the mission of Jesus. Submission is a core part of that. It's something that distinguishes us from the rest of the world. It's one aspect of what it means to be holy, holy, to be entirely holy. Holy, that's going to show up in our willingness, in our ability to submit. Um, that, that's in direct conflict with our culture. You understand that? We may not be as extreme as Antonio Brown, but we live in this culture that feeds this idea of rebellion, of standing up for your rights, right? We've got to fight for our right to party, <laughs> Right? That's a, that's a part of who we are as a people. We think, we think if we know better than someone, if our behavior is just like everybody else's, or if we don't get caught, that we can choose not to submit and it's no big deal. Let me say that again. We think if we know better than someone else, if we're doing what everybody else is doing at the same time, or if we don't get caught, then our, our choice to not submit is no big deal. I, I just want to say to you this morning, um, it, it is a big deal. Peter's instruction for us 
is that it needs to be a part of our life. What what is submission? Submission is all about yielding control and honoring the will of others rather than than ourself. It's all about yielding control. Um, Yielding control... Yielding control and honoring the will of others. You understand that it's easy to submit. It's easier, I think, to submit to to the desire of others, right? If if Deb says to me, "Oh, Rick, you know, it would be really, really great if you did X, Y, Z," as a husband, I say, "Oh, I, you know what? I want to make her happy," and and I, I'll go do that. If Deb says, "Rick, come on." Um, you've got these jobs around the house that you're supposed to do. You need to carry those out. Go do those jobs. Man up. You know what happens in me? I said, I'm not doing that. You know, I, it, it, it creates this tension that's it's easier to yield to the desires of others. But submission is about yielding to the will of others, to those who've been placed in authority over us. Um, Submission is a continuing act of surrender. And it's an attitude, not simply an action, not something that we do. It's, it's how we approach life. It's how we approach those people in authority in our lives. It's an act of devotion, an expression of a relationship that we have with that person. William Young, the, the author who wrote the, the book, The Shack, said, Submission is not about authority and it is not obedience. It is all about relationships of love and respect. When we choose to submit, it's the result of having a relationship with the person in charge, the person that we submit to, and, and, um, and living that out. Submission is an expression of trust in a very critical way. When we choose to submit to an authority, we trust that God is ultimately in charge, and we trust that they've been placed in that place of authority for a reason. And so our response is an expression of trust. That's what submission is. Um, uh, Francis Chan said, um, submission is something beautiful that should be winsome to the world. We'll look a little bit later, back at the beginning of that scripture, where it says, submit to your earthly authorities for the Lord's sake. It brings beauty to, to God. And, and, um, and so living that out, living out a life of submission um, reflects on God in an incredible way. Smith Wigglesworth was a 20th century uh, preacher, and uh, he was part of the Pentecostal holiness movement. And, and he told a story about his wife that, that I thought was pretty incredible about this whole idea of submission. Um, he said this, under God, all I am in my entire ministry, I owe to my dear wife. He went on to tell a story of, uh, he was a plumber in England. Both he and his wife were followers of Jesus. They, um, they were committed to following Jesus. But he, he, as a plumber, um, when, when the, he was working in England, there were all these mansions that were, that were being remodeled. And so he had work seven days a week. Seven days a week he was going and, and doing this plumbing stuff. And, um, and his, um, his time got spent up all doing plumbing, and he was never able to go to church. Um, what he, he said was that uh, sometimes when you're working seven days a week, your spiritual life grows cold and you backslide. Um, so when you backslide and get out of fellowship with God, you're not so interested in the things of God. There's some wisdom there. 
When someone else is, it brings conviction on you. He said to his wife, you go to church too much. You're not supposed to go to church. I don't want you to go to church anymore. I know enough about the Bible to know that the man's the head of the wife. You are to obey me. And I said to my wife, don't go to church. You're not going. She smiled sweetly and said, now, Smith, you're the head of this house, and you are my husband. Whatever you say in this house goes, and you know as well as I do that I do not neglect you or the children or the house in any way. But you are not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible tells me to go to church, and I'm going. Well, uh, Smith said, I'd fume and fuss and practically cuss. And finally, one day I told her, look, if you go to church tonight, I'll lock you out. But she went right along, and I locked her out. She didn't have a key, and she couldn't get in. The next morning, I came downstairs, opened the back door, and there she was, all bundled up in her coat, leaning back up against the door. She'd been there all night. When I opened the door, she almost fell into the kitchen. But she bounded up, smiled, and said, Well, dear, how are you this morning? She was so kind and sweet, but I'd have felt better if she'd chewed, on me, if she'd chewed me out a little. She didn't, though. She just asked, What would you like for breakfast? And she fixed my favorite breakfast. All right, all right, Wigglesworth said. I'm wrong. I missed it. She loved me back to God. But at the same time, she stood her ground. If she had quit church and followed me, we'd both have been in spiritual trouble. Um, When submission gets lived out in the right way, man, it's something incredibly beautiful that draws attention to God. It's not an evil thing at all. Let me me talk for a little bit about what submission is not. Submission is not a reason to disobey God. Anytime that somebody's in charge and they ask you to do something that's in conflict with Scripture or something that that would have you disobey God, uh, know that you don't have to submit in that case. You need to submit to Scripture. You need to submit to Jesus above everything else. We're never called to submit to human authority when it brings us in conflict with God's authority or God's command. Submission is, is never about placing yourself in danger. If you've got an authority that says, oh, I want you to do this, and it's a, and it's a dangerous thing, um, I, I don't think that that's what God would call us to do. But let me, let me just be transparent, because this is a point that I've wrestled with in this message uh, a whole bunch. Um, Jesus had the ability to fight back and didn't. He submitted to the will of God, and it was incredibly dangerous. It cost him his life. Peter had the ability to fight back against the Roman government, and he willingly accepted, he submitted to the Roman government and was, and was crucified as well, upside down. Um, the, Submission shouldn't put us in a place that we're in physical danger. Um, but that's something that, w- that we need to wrestle with, uh, with God, with, with his word. Um, f- submission is, is never dutiful or legalistic obedience. There's never this sense in submission that it's like, oh, I've got to do that. I've got to submit. It's n- that's not it at all. Submission is an attitude. It's the sense of, 
willingly choosing to yield uh, to whoever in charge. Understand that it's possible to be obedient and to not be humble. It's possible to be obedient and not be submissive. A story I've heard a, a whole lot that, that's just a great illustration about that is mom's driving in the car. She's got the kid in the, uh, in the seat beside her. This is before the car seat uh, laws. And uh, the kid's standing up on the seat. And the mom says, you've got to sit down and put the seatbelt on. And the, the little guy says, I don't want to do that. And the, and the mom says, you've got to sit down and put the seatbelt on. And the kid says, I don't want to do that. Finally, the mom pulls the car over, sits him down, latches the seatbelt, and drives away. A couple minutes later, the little boy says, Mom, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside, right? <laughs> it's possible to be obedient and not be submissive, right? That's, that's not what submission looks like. Submission is, is not an absence of healthy boundaries. Uh, Henry Cloud is a great, great author, uh, writes a lot about healthy boundaries. He said this, the idea of submission is never meant to allow someone to overstep another's boundaries. Submission only has meaning in the context of boundaries, but for boundaries promote self-control and freedom. For boundaries promote self-control and freedom. Um, Submission is not about an absence of healthy boundaries. Submission is not coercion. Submission is not oppression. Submission is not um, the inability to ask questions or to have uh, conversations about whatever the issue is. Don't miss this. When we submit to God, it doesn't mean that, that, that we can't say, God, I don't understand this. I've got to, you've got to help me understand why it is that you have this truth in Scripture. Uh, when we're at work, when we're dealing with governmental stuff, when we submit, it doesn't mean that we can't appeal. It doesn't mean that we can't have a, a conversation of honor that says, boy, this doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't mean that you, that, that, um, that you just set all of that aside. But submission is this attitude, this heart to say, uh, I, I want to please you, God. I want to choose to willingly yield. Uh, you know, that, that, that definition of willingly yielding, the, the best physical picture I can think of as, as I was working on the message and, and just kind of thinking about how this all fits, it's um, when I'm driving on the interstate and I'm in the right-hand lane and there's traffic on my left and a car comes on the yield lane, right? One of the things that drives me the craziest is when that car in the yield lane doesn't yield, right? They don't submit. They just force their way in. That's not submission. Submission is when you're in that yield lane and there's traffic there, that you adjust your speed, whether it's to go faster or slower. You do whatever it takes to yield to that ongoing traffic. That's the picture of submission. Understand this. This is the, this is the heart of today's message. This is the thing that I want you to, to just think about all day long to chew on. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus without learning to live a life of submission. It's impossible. You can't be a Christian. You can't be a disciple of Jesus without learning to live a life of submission. Because Jesus can't be Lord of your life unless you submit everything to him. 
unless you allow him to have complete and total control of your life. Unless you're willing to submit to him completely and to his word, he is not your Lord. You can't be a disciple of Jesus without learning to live a life of submission. So what's Peter say? Peter says, submit to earthly authorities. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So what's the charge for us? It's to, it's to obey, to submit to the president, to submit to our national laws, to submit to the governor and our state laws, to submit to the city council, the township uh, board of directors, the county, whatever, and to, and to obey their laws. Christians, hear this, Christians should be model citizens on the national level, on the state level, on the local level. Government officials should be saying, man, I want, I want those Christians to be a part of this uh, project or whatever because of our willingness to obey, to submit to those authorities. We're not just to submit to earthly authorities, though. We're to submit to our, to our, our boss, our master, our, uh, our work situation, Peter writes, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit, yourself to your, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. No matter what your situation is at work, as a follower of Jesus, you're called to submit to your boss, to submit uh, to, that, to, to the systems, the uh, structures that exist at work. Christians should be model employees, not because their employers demand that kind of behavior, that kind of commitment, but because we work as unto the Lord. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ that you're serving. You know what? I, I submit to the elders here at North Point because God has put them in authority over me. I choose to do that. It doesn't matter where you work, whether you work for the state, whether you work for a nonprofit, whether you work for a, a profit business. We're called to be model employees and to submit to the stuff, to the people that God places in charge of us because when we submit to them, we're submitting ultimately to the authority structure that God's put in place. You know, some, some really cool things happen when we submit. We see it as such a dirty word, but some really cool things happen. When we submit, 
Um, our relationship with Jesus grows very dramatically because we're trusting him, trusting that he will be in charge of everything that happens. The more that we submit to our boss, the deeper our relationship with Jesus goes because the more we are dependent on him. The more we submit, the more pressure it takes us, it takes off of us. If you are a control freak, if... if if you've got to control your circumstances, hear me, um, there's a lot of pressure with you on that. What if you make a bad decision? What if you make the wrong decision? I, I want to control my environment. Do I take this job or this job? Do I apply for this position or not apply for this position? What if I do the wrong one? Uh, you know, is my life, is my life um, uh, going to blow up as a result of that? When we choose to submit, to the people, to the processes that God has, in, um, has put in place for us. We don't have to worry about what that is. We trust God to exact justice when it's an unfair situation. We trust God to take revenge. We trust God to clear our names. We trust God to promote us to the level of responsibility that we should have at the right time and in the right way. When we submit, one of the things that happens is that God gets honor. Submit to every earthly authority for the Lord's sake. When we submit, it silences the t ignorant talk of foolish people. You know, the, the crazy accusations that are made about you as a follower of Jesus are proven false when we live in a submissive way. People, people will make false accusations against you as a follower of Jesus. People will say all kinds of bad things about you. Um, people will treat you unjustly. They're going to question your motives for the actions that you take. They did it with Jesus as well. Peter said, if you suffer for doing good and endure it, that's commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he didn't retaliate. When Jesus suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to God, who judges justly. Man, don't miss this. Jesus could have taken control of every situation that happened on earth. And he didn't. Jesus could have called down the power of heaven to wipe out the people who falsely accused him, and he didn't. Jesus could have stopped the crucifixion by saying a word, and he didn't. Jesus instead poured himself out in prayer ahead of time. If you, if you go home this afternoon and just read about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying, and he's praying in such an intense way for such a long period of time that it, it's as though um, drops of blood come out of his brow. He, Jesus is pouring himself out in prayer to God to say, God, isn't there any other way that this can happen? Please let it, something else happen. But your will, not mine. And when Jesus poured himself out in prayer ahead of time, when the crisis came, when push came to shove, when that mob came to arrest him, Jesus stood up and said, who are you looking for? Calm as could be. And the mob says, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, we're ready to get him. And Jesus said, I'm he. 
And the crowd falls back because Jesus is so calm in that moment. When we choose to submit to God, when we choose to submit to the structures around us, um, and we pray, we pour ourselves out in prayer about those situations that we struggle with, that say, we say, these don't make any sense. When we do that, this peace comes to say, God, I trust you completely. Even though this might not look like the path that I want to take, that I think is best, I trust you completely. So, uh, what are your takeaways today? What are, what, what's your application? Um, it's pretty simple. We, su- we need to submit to our government. We need to submit at work. Um, you know, the, it, it, uh, that, that whole sum- slave submit to your masters, let me, let me just say this uh, as kind of an aside. Um, Peter wasn't advocating a system of slavery. He, he wasn't saying, oh, yeah, there should be this system of slavery. He was simply commenting on what already existed. He said... In that culture, in that environment, when you're in the worst possible situation, when you're a slave, somebody controls everything about your life, how do you act? This is what you do. You need to submit to your master. When you don't have a voice, submit to your master. When, you're, when your master is evil and treating you poorly and just beating you, submit to your master. Let that be an attitude, not just of obedience, but this attitude of willingly choosing uh, willingly recognizing that God has put them in authority. So uh, submit to the government, submit at work. Um, let me just say this real directly. Stop scheming. Stop playing politics at work. That's the application for this. Submit. Quit being deceptive to try and get your own way. Submit to the rules and systems that your employer has set up. You know what? If they have a specific way that they want you to fill out an expense report, Fill out that expense report that way. Submit, go through that process. Submit to the legal requirements that exist wherever you live. And let me just say this about submission. Um, it's not the big stuff that we worry about submitting to. You know, it's not like we, our takeaway from this is, oh, the laws say don't murder, so I'm not going to go out and kill anybody, right? It's, it, where the rubber meets the road is in the little stuff, whether we choose to submit. So, so in this part of the application, it, it, it's submit to the local laws. Uh, can I tell you what I struggle with? Um, and this is stupid, piddly, but it's where the rubber meets the road on submission. You know when it snows, DeWitt, DeWitt City has, a, has an ordinance or whatever that, that um, when you clear your driveway, you're not supposed to put the snow out in the middle of the street with your, with your snowblower right? Because it messes everybody else up. So we've got two driveways. So I do the driveway, go down the big hills, uh, put the snow where it's supposed to go. It's out in our yard. That, that's great. And then the snowplow comes, right? And seals off both of those driveways. And I've got to clear those driveways to, get, to be able to get out to clear that stuff. You know what I want to do? Every ounce of my being wants to take my snowblower there and blow that snow out in the middle of the street. It's lots easier. I'm aggravated. But the question of whether I'm going to submit happens at that moment. When I choose, am I going to do what I want? Am I going to try and make a point? Am I going to talk about the injustice of this? Or am I going to submit to the local authorities? 
Um, you know, little stuff, little stuff matters. When we were in college, there was, a, there was a distinguished professor who had retired, a guy named George Mark Elliott. Deb and I went to Cincinnati Christian University, and um, the, the campus is up on a hill. And uh, George Mark Elliott had an office on the campus, um, but he lived uh, away. He, um, he rode a bus, and he would walk down all these steps from the campus down to, to Glenway Avenue, um, and right across the street from the bottom of the steps, there was a bus stop that he would take to go home. There was a sign that said, no jaywalking there. And, and this 87-year-old guy who was feeble and frail would walk a block uphill to the light, cross the street, walk the block back down to where... Uh, to where the bus stop picked him up. He was so committed to submitting to the local authorities. You know what's really cool about that story is that the Cincinnati City Council found out that he was doing that and they wrote an ordinance that allowed him to cross the street to get to the bus stop. (laughs) Why did they do that? Because he submitted to the local authorities. Um... Uh, what, do you, what do you do as a result today? Pray, pray, pray for God's intervention in trying to, instead of trying to take control of whatever your situation is. Pray for God to hear God's voice and then submit. Don't submit because there was a message about it today. Don't submit because you feel guilty. Don't submit because in some wacky way you're trying to score points with God. Submit because you trust God with your life. Submit because you want to trust him more. Submit because you love Jesus and he was the supreme example for what submission looks like. Looks like. Some of you are looking for direction this morning. There's stuff on the horizon that you don't know which way to turn. You don't know whether you should do this or that or, or what you, you, where, should you, where you should go, what path you should take. Uh, you don't know whether to take action or to wait patiently for God. I love this quote from Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley said, Divine direction begins with unconditional submission. Some of you are here today and you're trying to figure out how to have a relationship with God. You know you need him but you've been trying to control the parameters of what that relationship looks like. Leo Tolstoy said, God cannot be understood by logical reasoning, but only by submission. You know, when Heather was baptized this morning, first service, baptism is a vivid illustration of submission. You know, it's so easy for us to say, I, yeah, you know what? I've given my life to Jesus. I've said yes to him. I've prayed the prayer. I've done the stuff. I don't need to go get in the water. I don't need, I, I don't need to do whatever. I, I don't need to do that. My, I'm right with him. Baptism, when we choose to be baptized, we submit to what scripture teaches. We submit. It's not a work that any of us can take any credit, we, we willingly say, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. Even if it's something as crazy as going down in the water, old person being buried, coming up out of the water, new person in Christ is what scripture says. It's a great illustration. At its core, the decision to submit or not submit is driven by whether our value of this life is greater than our value of eternity. If I value this life above all, 
I will not submit to that which I can either control or that which I don't agree with. But if I value eternity, I will submit to anything God calls me to do. Let's pray. Father, um, this this is hard stuff for us. You put within us, God, the desire to take action, to do stuff, to, to be creative, to control. And we can't live lives of submission without a complete dependence on you. God, we want Jesus to be Lord of our lives. We want, we want to be able to trust you more. Help us, God. Remind us. Help us, uh, help us to see in ourselves when we don't submit, when we think we know better, when we say, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do, but I'm not gonna do it. Help us see that, God, so that we can grow in our walk with you and so that the world will see you for who you are, good and beautiful and merciful and kind and loving righteous and holy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing.